hi everybody happy to be here with the broadcast of a very very long time but um, i'm super excited today because we have arthi with us from crayon data of course our own reowned chennai name i'm sure many of us heard about arthi many of us heard about what are the amazing stuff crayon data has been doing so happy to have you arthi Padmini hi thank you so much very very nice of you and very happy to be here absolutely arthi so arthi the topic for today is going to be of course with the broadcast i know if you following up this series we've been talking about women leaders women entrepreneurs and uh, you know women who really thrived and then fought the uh, usual line of you know what people usually think about women Uh, we've been having people talking about their journey so today we're going to have a very candid conversation about your journey and how you're building your culture and your company and how it's going on and you know the kind of challenges that you went through because usually people talk about their success story what went well uh, how their route was so easy to be where they are but unfortunately that's giving a very wrong picture that it's very easy to get there right so i'm going to be talking a little bit about your hardship on this journey and the kind of failures that you did see and the kind of uh, challenges that you did see and so many more topics all right so to start with my first question arthi yeah what exactly is feminism according to you what is your own version of feminism that's a fantastic question to start with i think um so i think this is a question that actually i've i've thought about i think many times over the years and i think over my career as well um i think when i was young and in college you know feminism was all about you know women's rights and you know it was about you know how do we get us women forward and i think it it was something that i i was part of uh, an all women's college the atraj college i was part of the the atraj i fight wow <laughs> that's fantastic so anyways i was part of the student union over there so and um, you know it was all about i mean there, there was there was a lot of uh, you know a free flowing thought and a lot of conversation around this and then i went to b school uh, which was again which is mixed and i've actually grown up in in a coed kind of an environment i think i went into this all women's environment which uh, you know fueled a lot of thought and i went back into a coed environment in college and then i joined the workplace and i think over the my career i think what i've really kind of uh, realized and what i what i the ideals that i hope to think it's not about actually in some cases um just pushing women ahead blindly i think it's about creating a space for equal opportunity and i think that for me is is a very fundamental it's, it's what is my contribution to feminism i think um and i think in in an earlier age in an earlier system i think it was definitely required for women to be given that extra push for them to get to you know bring them out of um, you know the shadows and to kind of give them uh, equal footing but i think in the space that i operate and for me it's also about what i can contribute in the space that i operate it's about ensuring that at every point in time there is equal opportunity that's provided i think whether you're male or female sometimes i realize you're sometimes going through a lot of the same things and if women are going through harder things then you ensure that you work that much harder to provide that 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 stage for equal opportunity um so i think whether you know and we did have this huge debate once at crayon right where uh, it it was about um, 
diversity, right? And we said that, um, you know, then the, the entire conversation is about how you need to have X percentage, at least about 50%, which, I, which was very fair. But then the, the diversity is also about how you create diversity in every function. So for example, in say a function like HR, where it is, where currently it's an all women function, I would actually say that if I'm, I'm, I'm very open to a male head of HR because that is what will then provide that diversity in thinking as well. And I think a big part of feminism is including that men are as much a part of the, the thinking about as empathetic and as proactive about it as well. It can't be something that's fo forced on one half of the population. So I think bringing people along together, creating that uh, equal opportunity and that, that stage um, where you know you have that that uh, platform to perform to succeed is I think a big part of feminism for me now as I see it. Absolutely, I think that's a beautiful answer. That also leads to another question. So when you say you know this is your version of feminism, and when you take your version of feminism as an entrepreneur or as a co-founder, when you go keep that on the table in front of so many people coming from very different culture both mm. men and women, mm. how are they picking up? Um, are, they, are they thinking, because this question also comes from my own experience mm. of uh, you know, being a product manager, uh, working in companies like PayPal, where you know, yeah. when, when hiring decisions are taken, when we say, hey, we want to bring in more women uh, through you know, yeah. words and sessions, people be always like, you know, why are you putting that pressure of we want women? Go out, do an interview. And if that's a woman, well and good. If that's going to be a man, it's still okay. But when you want equality, when you are in an absolute imbalance, you need a little bit of push. Of course, there is no discount in talent. Uh, there's no discount in the way you hire them. But of course, that a little bit of push is required. And each and every one of us will have a different perspective on this. So how is this seen in Crayon Data in your leadership? as a culture in front of people? So I think there's a couple of things. So while I said it's about creating that, that platform for equal opportunity for both, I think sometimes it also requires that you put in that little extra effort to make sure that women get that opportunity for, uh, you know, the, the, for that platform. So if it means I'm going out to say hire engineers, right? Now, it, chances are that, um, you know, I, in a hundred applications, I might get only 20 from women. And I might get 80 from men, but I need to ensure that. So I, so there is definitely a pressure on my own hiring team to say that, okay, how many women engineers can you actually go out and actively look for search for all of that? Right. So that in the final short list, I'll have, I can evaluate as many women as men. Right. And I think at that point is when that entire thing of, you know, then you provide an equal platform and then you gauge on the basis of merit. But I think to ensure that your pipeline is strong, to ensure that right from it's from when we go into campus as well, it's about the colleges that we work with. We try and understand what the ratios are over there. And in some ways, so that's happening at Crayon, then whether it's happening even say at home, whether my, you know, my daughter gets as equal opportunities as you know, my, it's not that she has to learn only ballet and or, you know, it, it, I, I'm trying to break stereotypes like all through my journey as well. And in those same, same, thoughts are what I'm trying to bring into Crayon also, right? Okay. So I think it's about, um, you know, at, at Crayon, especially I think being a tech company, a domain that traditionally isn't one where you have, you know, you don't see too many women. 
and it's hard because we really and there are uh, functions where we definitely see more women whether it's say marketing or hr or operations but in the core technology it's it's sometimes hard to go actively seek and i think in some ways going remote now and the entire digital thing has made it easier because then even our um kind of the 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 skill the talent pool has now increased from just say even beyond chennai to like anywhere so you know even the kind of women we can actually tap the kind of networks that we can actually tap um there are some fantastic things even happening in chennai like the women at technology forum so i think it's it's about uh, making sure that we are also uh, consciously tapped into that uh, making sure that we put out the fact that we want to provide this equal platform as as a conscious principle it and it's something that uh, you know the teams are very very aware of um then we make sure that there are small things it's also in some ways the way you've been raised and grown up a lot of women um in meetings it's about you know they, you you sometimes conditioned a certain way so in that case providing that that equal opportunity to even speak up it will be a big part of ensuring that you create that equal platform so it's about then mentoring so once they come in how do you then mentor the women that you have right from the freshers to the managers and then women also have in many ways their own unique um, you know life challenges so i've spoken to so many women who in the course of creon itself whether they've you know come up you know their their life events um are very often that that inflection point in your career coincides with the life event right you you you're up for that promotion and you know you're you're getting married or you're you're ready to take on more responsibility and then you find that uh, you know you're you're going to have a baby so how do you actually work through some of these to ensure that you still get equal opportunities so that that entire piece and we've in our own ways whether it's you know women who who've taken breaks on maternity what they what we brought them back into ensuring that you know they still get the opportunity for growth in their careers that they still can focus on it if that's a choice that they want and if that's what they're looking for you know they still have that and it's also about in some ways counseling the men in the company as well i've spoken to so many guys about and these are young guys who are also getting married who are also raising families who are also you know uh, you know dealing with the same things at home um you know what should my wife be quitting how do we handle it you know i think so giving them also opportunity to take to ensure that they can manage child care right um we we've had um, someone from hr uh, he used to lead our hr team over here and he wanted to his wife got an opportunity to do a phd in australia and she had put her career on hold for him so that he could you know be here in chennai and then she got this opportunity in australia and he said you know i really need to support her but they had a small child and they were wondering really how to do it so this is well before covid we said you know what go work remote it's fine go support her right so i think in that way it's not just about the women at creon it's also about how you then support the extended women at creon right <laughs> and then and then that's a ripple because then you hope that the attitudes that you're also giving you know you're providing to the men who are also fathers husbands brothers will trickle into the way they also treat their sisters wives children daughters and some of them have working mothers as well right so yeah. that's the way you're hoping to then make a difference starting with say something like creon absolutely absolutely that's so beautiful because um i read somewhere uh, where you know women quit career at least 50 to 60% women quit career after they have the baby because of the baby but i uh, personally feel uh, you know women don't quit their career because of baby they actually quit the career because of irresponsible partners 
right when they are taking the drop of fifty percent i'm sure they don't have to quit their job so i think the companies also extending their support will really help men to support because yeah. you know, it's not a very uh, purposeful or you know being very mean and cunning that you know i will not take care of it unfortunately yeah. the kind of privilege or opportunities are not given to men and they think okay i'm the breadwinner what else you expect me to do yeah. so that's so beautiful so um are the the next question to you is like i said when it comes to entrepreneurship moving mm-hmm. a little bit from uh, you know being a women entrepreneur we'll come back there of course but uh, on your journey of entrepreneurship it's for so many years and uh, what do you say uh, what how do you see uh, or what are the kind of regrets you have uh, tell me about the dark side of what you have you know seen and then we will definitely talk about the positive and good and um, it doesn't have to be you know about your failures that you know kind of will demotivate types but um, i'm telling you about the reality you know i know it is not easy i know it is uh, challenging but still you can do it because this is how i did this is how or i wish i have done it in a different way what's yeah. your answer to this so uh, let let me just say that you know by inclination i don't think i'm an i i didn't think i would ever be an entrepreneur so i i i grew up with a father who was in a services background a banking job right and where job security was like everything and you know his biggest ambition at that point was for me to get into a bank which i did i joined hdfc bank like straight out of college um and uh, i i thought i had my path set i wanted to join corporate banking and uh, you know they had these uh, they, they uh, you know when you join the bank that that was their very first management trainee program and they had set up a really fantastic program that stretched over 6 8 months where you actually worked in different divisions of the bank and at the end of it you had to um kind of uh, you know choose you were given your uh, allocation and function that you were allotted to and stuff so we did all of this and one of the things that they did they, they put all of us on two month projects uh the project that was given to me most dis- and i was most disappointed at the time was about, was in the space of branch banking which i thought and i was here just waiting to join like either corporate finance or trade finance or something but i, I was allocated this thing where we had to say, understand why and this this was about 20 years ago in um, hdfc bank this was in 2001 they had just acquired times bank they had a whole bunch of branches they were still just servicing clients and the challenge that um, the, the two of us there was another management trainee and i had working with one of the most senior vps in hcfc bank is how do you make branches sell better right how do you make them actually start selling loans and deposits and it was something that was very new and a completely new concept so we did this project for two months and uh, we went and presented in front of uh, the md aditya puri and at the end of it um, we made some very brash promises and all of that and at the end of it i was given an option i said yes you can continue because you've given your choice to be corporate banking so go ahead there or uh, you know there is the opportunity to set up this department uh, you know they were going to set this up and it's 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 going to be completely new and greenfield and yes you know you can do that i think my all my instincts were to you know just you know go go the safe way because that was what was planned and i should have you know i it, it was a path that i could see very clearly ahead but then this other thing also i don't know something inside also kind of pulled me towards this thing that was sort of unknown and new and i think that was my first exposure to a startup it was still a startup with a safety net because it was within the purview of a large bank but it was something that was 
completely greenfield. I was setting it up. Um, you know, it was just three of us in that department and we were going around thing and you know, evangelizing the concept uh, with people. Um, with people who never heard of it before. We were trying to get their buy-ins. We were trying to sell a dream, trying to sell a vision, trying to execute, ensure adoption. And I think so much of that first stint kind of really stayed with me. When I got married and I shifted to Chennai, um, I wanted to stay with the bank. And uh, funnily enough, there was another startup within HDFC Bank uh, that they transferred me to, which is the credit cards division. They just set up HDFC Bank credit cards in Chennai. And that was the only, other than a branch, that was the only other option that there was in Chennai. Um, and I said, sure. I mean, again, it's a, it was another startup, so to speak. So I think these two experiences kind of, uh, kind of sort of ignited that thing is, okay, you don't, it, it actually ignited an interest in this entire thing of uh, starting something completely new when you have this kind of blank canvas and, you know, the, the hardships, but at, at both times, it was still with pretty much a decent safety net. I was still operating within a more structured environment. And I think in the course of my career, I joined Red Pill, which had, again, coincidentally just set up in India. We were bought over by IBM. And I think that was the first time that I was part of a large company and part of an established uh, department. And while IBM was great, I think it didn't click for me. And uh, that was there was another there was some I had some other personal challenges at the time, and I took it as an opportunity to just kind of take a break. Um, it wasn't something that you know was appealing, so I took that break. And then about nine months later, um, the, yeah, less than a year later is when Suresh reached out. So he had also at that point, you know, uh, he said, listen, I've got my next big idea. So it's like, done, let's go for it. And I think this was without any safety net. This was literally starting from scratch. We just, it was just about having an idea and a thought. We had just no idea as to how that would even pan out, you know, so I think um, it, the really good part of the way, I mean, it's so important to also have, you know, the, you know, fan, a fantastic founding team. I think it really makes an impact on who you kind of click with right at the beginning. And, and in this case, it's a founding team. It wasn't me doing it on my own, right? So I think each of us brought those strengths to the table where Suresh was so, you know, uh, I think it was, uh, he got us really excited with that vision. And then it was, and then actually trying to make sense of that and translate it into something that might actually work uh, was, was, uh, was something I found very exciting. Uh, challenges, but of course, oh my God, yes. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's when I hear you say, even introduce, uh, you know, to say that, the, you know, renowned crayon data, sometimes that itself catches me by surprise because I'm like, oh my God, have we really reached a point where people are saying that? It, I sometimes when I meet a stranger and I say, and I still sometimes say, oh, I work in this company called Crayon Data, we are, and they, they say, oh, we've heard about it. I'm like, what? Like, seriously? <laughs> That's yeah. It's it's really gratifying to hear that, because I think starting from the the absolute nervousness we had hiring our very first employee, when we had no office, no vision, no company, no product, no client, no investor, and then you're you're someone's actually trusting their livelihood to you. I think you know that that was just like really helped turn the stomach, and then. And then that continues with every person that you add on. In some ways, you feel that you are responsible for the, the, the ultimate livelihood of ex-people and ex-families and all of that, right? And we've gone through some 
really hard times in terms of we've had ideas that have failed spectacularly. I mean, we we once uh, one of our initial things was to say that okay, we'd get into the entire space of sports analytics, and this was much well before you know sports analytics was even a thing. And we actually did, and it it seemed amazing, and we were doing all the right things, but it just was not clicking. And I think that at that point, the decision to actually give it up was so hard because we had such a great team also working on it and we had like really bright people. Um, and I think that, that that decision and that was a decision we had to make to actually kind of shut, kind of shut that piece down. It, it almost felt like we were like literally killing something, you know, so I think that was so hard. So that was that was one. Then um, there was a time when one of our biggest clients for no fault of our own uh, very suddenly ended the entire relationship. And this literally happened at the end of December when we were actually going into, we, we always take a little break at the end of the year uh, before we, like the last week, the entire company just switches off. And we found this out on like some 23rd or 24th of December. And it put us into such a tailspin because we just could not see how we were going to manage the next year. And we also, at the same time, we had to have enough confidence to tell 80 people who were sitting outside and Suresh and I and a couple of the senior management were in the room and we heard about it. And it was like someone had sucker punched us. And we had 80 people outside who had already made, you know, we'd already put into plans for, you know, the next year. We've done our strategic planning, all of it. And then how do you go out and tell those people that, you know, 50% of that plan isn't even valid anymore. And we weren't even sure whether we would even be able to carry that team. So I think it's 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 so hard because as an entrepreneur, you can't really detach. You know, you you really are uh, your actions. You are very very responsible for the actions that you make because ultimately you are. It's your vision that you're running with your decisions, and as much as you get, and I think it's so important, yes, to get that team to work with you and to support you and all of that. But I think at the end of the day, you also feel like many of these are your responsibilities these these decisions that you're making and i think and and responsibility that impact like you know whether it's clients whether it's the people and i think for us it's the biggest thing is how does it impact our people then then you have all your stakeholders so you have your your people your clients your investors you know all of that so which is and then trying to kind of make sure that you're creating value for all of them um is i think uh, sometimes exceptionally hard and then you also then are faced with questions of, um, you know, and I think while the first couple of years, we went through a really hard couple of years in the middle, the first two, three years were great, which is about the vision and all of that. And then um, the entire thing of product market fit and about then saying, okay, you know, I need to start making money. I need to start, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's that thing of, I don't want to be caught in that cycle of just, uh, you know, raising funds. How do I actually make my business viable? Um, and we were in a B2B scenario with long sales cycles. And, you know, there was a point where, um, uh, you know, we, we had to make some really hard decisions about even people and all of that. I think those kind of things are uh, it's sometimes easily forgotten, but I don't think we should. And I don't think, you know, sometimes we, uh, Suresh and I, we constantly also keep that in our mind because it kind of, guards us against the kind of mistakes that we should not make. I think that time that we went through where we were so, you know, uh, we made the kind of, we made some some really stupid decisions and which, which we paid for in terms of, you know, the way we had to uh, then kind of size the business down. 
I think right now that has taught us the importance of just being financially prudent. And I think um, thrifty in some sense, right? <laughs> For us, you know, we, we still are not the kind of company who do some crazy uh, offsite or, uh, you know, throw these kind of gifts at people. We're very conscious about where we put that money. And I guess we will definitely put it in like some fantastic L&D program or we'll, um, you know, we will, we'll always in some ways behave like, we have less than what we have in terms of money because I think our, we went through that patch where we just don't want to put our people at risk. Exactly. Beautiful, beautiful thing. I mean, as a, as an entrepreneur, I think being that frugal, that frugality is so important, no matter if you're a bootstrapped company or even if you've raised in millions or billions, I think that is so important that the whole thought of a little bit conservative uh, thoughts around where exactly we put that money, right? People either over glorify the bootstrap companies or uh, over glorify the raised companies. That also leads me to a question of, uh, to me, let me just tell you my perspective, both are hard, both are equally difficult. Like for you to put your own money, wait for it, wait for the scale, wait for the PMF, I think it's it's a very, very hard route. And even if you're going to raise, it's not easy. If someone is going to put their money on the vision that you have, A, for you to raise is itself very difficult. Maybe as a news, it's very easy to say, oh, somebody has raised 10 million or 15 million whatsoever. The hardship of raising that funds, only that uh, founder and the co-founder would probably know the kind of questions asked and all that. Both are difficult. But how are you seeing both of this, of course, you did tell us about, you know, um, your failures or, you know, how you handle money and what you've gone through and the rough patches you had. What is your opinion about these two and what is best according to you, better according to you, or how do you see these two? When you say these two, you mean in terms of the uh, frugality versus the, uh, the ambition? Is that what you're talking about? No, um, let me just ask that again. So uh, this will be an editor, right? Maybe I didn't ask it properly. <laughs> that's why you couldn't get it. So I think that's a brilliant answer. So here is my another. Uh, so here is my another question, which is related to money, because you did speak about money. And there are two ways to have funds for the company. Mm. A, you bootstrap your own hard-earned money or you raise funds from the investors. To me, it, both are difficult, right? Putting your own money, wait for the PMF, and then you know, see people joining, and then it's, it's hard. And the same thing applies to you know, raising funds as well. You, know, you take money from someone. Uh, it's not easy someone is going to come and pay you for the vision that you have. They should really, really believe in it 200%, even if they're going to invest just 100K or 50K or 20K, whatever it is, right? So both are difficult. How are you seeing as an entrepreneur being on both the sides, uh, fundraising as a bootstrapped company or, you know, fundraising as an uh, fund, what's this company called? Um, you know, as a company that raised fund. A funded one. Okay. So I think, uh, see, I, I think fundraising really does um, have its own challenges. It has its own pros and cons. And while I spoke about frugality in the, you know, when you spoke to me earlier, I, 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 and you were talking about hardships, I mentioned frugality, but I think the flip side of frugality is also ambition and growth, right? So it's also about how do you balance the two? 
right? How do you be conservative about the right things? But at the same time, how do you drive your company also ahead for growth? And you and sometimes a frugal or a conservative mindset is at odds with the fact that you need to be ambitious and that you actually need to grow. Sometimes you need to take those calls or make those investments that don't seem right from a very sensible point of view. But we you, you just have to make those risks or take those bets saying that, you know, it'll pay off in the long term, right? So I think in that, when I put it in that perspective, um, you know, if to make to make those large bets for growth, I think sometimes it is very important to go out there and actually raise, you know, to kind of raise that money. Now, if I were to, and I think revenue funded growth is fantastic. I think that's what gives us our financial stability. And I think that's what we've really, really um, aimed for at Creon. And that's what we've actually hit. But I think for us to get us into that next stage of growth, to give us that giant kind of jump up, we are, and we, we are definitely out there on, you know, we, we do look for funds, but we are also looking for the right kind of funds. Right? So that's the other thing that we realize it's that there's fundraising and then there's fundraising as well. Right. That it's, it's also so important for us about the kind of people that you kind of get on board, even as investors, we've been very lucky to have like some exceptional people, you know, be on our board. And like, I think uh, Jungle Ventures came to, uh, you know, came on board right at the beginning. And they have been amazing. They've stuck with us for these nine years. They've given us the kind of direction that they need. They've given us the kind of push that we need also. It's not that they, they be, you know, it's sometimes so needed to be both supportive at the same time kind of push you. They've given us, you know, the kind of advice that we need. Then we've had, um, you know, individual investors like uh, even Mr. Chris Gopalakrishnan, we go to him, we speak to him, the kind of, uh, it's not just about putting his money in and then kind of, you know, forgetting about it because he actually does, um, give us the right kind of advice. So I think even in the term, in terms of fundraising, um, we've also in certain, in some sense, been a little, you know, we've had the luxury of being a little um, picky about who we wa actually want to kind of bring in on board. I think uh, we haven't done any active fundraising uh, over the past couple of years. We've done a couple of bridge rounds. We've done, you know, the people who have been interested, who've seen the vision of the business have, have put in money. But I think next year we are going to be looking at um, fundraising quite actively because for us, we moved away from that startup phase now. We've seen growth and we've seen a lot of revenue funded growth. And I think, um, you know, next year is when we will say that, okay, uh, sometimes we, we want to get also get that giant jump in growth. And for that, you do need some amount of funding and trying to get also the right kind of funding. And I think that's hard. I think it requires a lot of preparation. It's not just, a, if I say uh, we're going to go next year, it's not something that we even start next year. I mean, the planning of that has already started. We're getting the right metrics in place. We're bringing in, we're ensuring that we have the right revenue, the right clients, the right logos to ensure that we also do fundraising on our terms. Um, we had, <laughs> I think when we were young and foolish, we, we did this. Uh, we, we decided that we want to go out and get funds and we did this uh, roadshow of sorts in uh, Asia and in uh, US and we failed spectacularly. <laughs> so <laughs> we had lovely conversations, you know, and they were like, so then, but then we learned so much. We learned so much about why people say no, you know, and about why also, you know, what is it that you actually need to kind of get in place um, you know, as a business to ensure that, you know, that, that how, you know, getting in the right kind of fund at the right time of your business at the right terms is as important as the size of the check. Right. I think uh, so. It's so, so that's, that's kind of what we are uh, aiming for right now. I don't know if that's answered your question, but that's a perspective that I had. Yes, 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 absolutely. That I think it was a 
uh, it was your whole version of what you think about funds and you know how one should pursue uh, funds as well it's not just money it's a lot of culture they bring in a lot of value they bring in um, when you say push how healthy is that push is also a question you know when it comes with money like are you guys are you guys raising are you guys doing this how is our metric if that's going to be a question every single friday i think it's not healthy yeah I, yeah no yeah. no i think that way we we have a fantastic board both of you know jungle plus some external board members and i think our board meetings while they they're not a walk in the park but uh, they they're also not unhealthy at all i think they they ask the absolutely the right question they make sure that we are prepared that yeah. we have we that we prepared for the right kind of answers and uh, you know they also provide the kind of inputs to even take it forward so it's not just about asking questions which is roadblock you it's about also providing inputs to say that okay maybe this is also how you should be looking at things which i think is very important i think pretty constructive and uh, that will actually lead both of you to go to the next level of conversation on okay what's next instead of just saying you know interrogating versus yeah. uh, asking the right questions beautiful i think that was just beautiful um arthi right starting from uh, you know your journey and how you did this and how you are building the culture inside uh, crayon data i think that was quite a beautiful interview with you um i think i i'm also interviewing someone uh, after a very long time for the podcast and i'm absolutely happy i did that with you and uh, hope you also enjoyed the questions that probably you know touched some uh, untouched questions of your uh, <laughs> your journey so thank you so much for your time it's a saturday evening thank you so much for spending your saturday evening with me answering all these beautiful questions and uh, Thank you so much. Have a great evening. Thank you, Parmi. It was lovely connecting with you, and I think I I had a great time as well. Thank you. Thank you.